0: Alright, today we are going to kick off a new series called This Is Us. And so in this series, we're, we're going to focus on what are the fundamentals of our faith. I don't know if you've noticed, but Christianity has a very large spectrum of different beliefs. I mean, I've heard of people, I've heard of pastors that don't even believe in God, but they say they're Christian. And then there's the spectrum is like this big on when people identify as a Christian, what do they actually mean? So, this morning and through this series, we're going to focus on these, what we would consider the fundamentals of the faith. What are the things that we're saying, these are the non-negotiables. These are the things we're going to stand on and say, no, this, these are the important things for us to believe as Christians. And so, in this series, we're going we're gonna to focus on our beliefs in reference to the beliefs that we share in common with other EMCC churches in our denomination. So to get started, we are going to look at the nature of God. What are the fundamental beliefs about the nature of God that are really important for us to hold as Christians? The EMCC has a a really good quote about this idea of how we have we can have different beliefs in Christianity but there's some that are really important that we have so they say unity in essentials it's important that we have unity in these essential beliefs liberty in non-essentials and love in all things I think it came from Augustine I don't know for sure but someone wise created that phrase so this is kind of the motto that we as a church hold as well that there's, there's some beliefs in Scripture that we, we're going to have different views on with other churches, but it's okay for some of these beliefs. And then there's other beliefs that we, we say these are ones we have to hold in common because they are fundamental to, to the Scriptures. So does that make sense? So today we're going to look at the nature of God. If you're ever feeling like you have your theology all figured out, I encourage you to have a discussion about God with a four-year-old. Invite a four-year-old over and say, ask me some questions about God. And as they do, you'll realize, oh, this is a little bit harder to explain than I thought. So Galilee the other day came up to me and she always has great questions about God. She said, Daddy, does God have a head? I was like, oh, that's a random question. (laughs) It's kind of weird, but uh no god's a spirit galilee he doesn't have a body he's, he's a spirit but in other scriptures it talks about him sitting on the throne and and jesus is god he has a body so yes and no and you see the the complexity of these questions and when you're communicating with the child you have to be simple in your answers so galilee says oh okay so so God is Jesus's dad, like you're my dad, right? Um, Yes, God is Jesus. Jesus is God's son, but Jesus is also God. So there's that dynamic that it's hard to explain. So it was a very humbling experience. If you can't tell, I was, I was a little bit humbled by Galilee's questions, but I was also encouraged in, in that these these put me in a posture of humility before the Lord and that I I basically said, Lord, you're mysterious. You're holy. I, don't, I can't fully grasp in my mind all of these things about your nature. But, but I know you are holy and you are, you are good. So what do we as an EMCC church believe about the nature of God? This is the fancy statement that has been crafted very carefully about what we believe about God. It says we believe in the one true living and holy God who is self-existent eternal personal spirit eternally existent as a trinity of three persons father son and holy spirit these persons are distinct but in- inseparable they're one in essence power and glory God is the transcendent and imminent creator sustainer and ruler of all things visible and invisible we could do a sermon on each, probably each word of this, because each one is very carefully selected here. But what I want to focus on today is where, where do we find the Trinity in the Old Testament? Where does the Trinity show up in the Old Testament? There's a lot of people who either skeptics or people from other religions who look at Christianity and they say either this is a polytheistic religion. You believe in three gods. Or there's people who say the early church just created this idea of a trinity. The Old Testament has nothing to say about a trinity. And so today I want to show you that the Old Testament actually does lay the foundations of a trinity. So it's a little bit more of a theological sermon. I hope you have your Mind's sharp after staying up all night. Hang in there with me. If I start going off in this direction, you'll know it's because I'm a little bit tired, but it's okay. So, where do we start here? Where do we find the Trinity in the Old Testament? So, the Old Testament doesn't explicitly say God is three persons. It doesn't say that clearly in that in the way I would want it to but there's a lot a lot a lot of examples of God being presented in a kind of plurality of persons so to start we're going to look at this this figure in the Old Testament called the angel of the Lord not an angel of the Lord but the angel of the Lord so this is a, a figure that shows up in the Old Testament again and again and again in many stories and this is it's described as the angel of the Lord. And the interesting thing about this figure is that he speaks as if he's God. He speaks at times and says, I am Yahweh. Or other times people encounter him and say, I have encountered Yahweh. I've encountered God. So as we will see as we read through some, some of these verses, there's this mysterious nature of this, this angel of the Lord um, that, as we will see, lays the foundation for God being presented in different persons. All right, hopefully that sentence made sense. We're going to start at Genesis 31, verse 10 to 13. This is a story of Jacob, and so we'll just read it together. It says, In breeding season I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats painting with the flock were streaked, speckled or spotted. The angel of God, notice, the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flocks are streaked, speckled, or spotted. For I've seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel. So this is the angel speaking or the angel of God saying, I am the God of Bethel where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Isn't that interesting? This is this angel of God speaking and saying, I am God. There's this blurring here, this mystery here. Kind of hard to understand. But this is not an isolated passage. Here's another one. Exodus 3, verse 1 to 4. This is a story we all know about Moses and the burning bush. God called to him from within the bush. Notice, it was the angel of the Lord that appeared to him in the bush. And then as Moses goes over, God calls to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. Isn't that interesting? It's the same kind of dynamic where it doesn't explicitly say what's going on here, but it says the angel is here and then God speaks. Very fascinating. There's many, many, many more examples of this in the Old Testament. We'll, we'll do one more. Judges 2 verse 1 to 4. So this is the story of God um, sending the angel with the Israelites to go and bring them out of Egypt. So Judges 2 verse 1 to 4, this angel, it says, the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bokim and said, I brought you up out of the, he said, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and led you into the land I swore to give your ancestors. That's the angel of the Lord speaking. Deuter- compare this with Deuteronomy four, verse thirty-five to thirty-seven. It says, "You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord, in Hebrew, that's the the word Yahweh, that Yahweh is God. Besides Him, there is no other. From heaven, He made you hear His voice to discipline you. On earth, He showed you His great fire, and you heard His words from out of the fire." Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength. Was it the angel of the Lord? Was it God? The answer is yes. Now we're going to add one more passage to this. is a New Testament passage. This is Jude 1 verse 5. It says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Was it the angel of the Lord? Was it Yahweh? Or was it Jesus that led Israel out of Egypt? The answer is yes, (laughs) okay? So this, this presents this a bit of mystery here. This is a little bit hard to grasp or hard to understand. The scriptures, I believe, intentionally present it this way, that God is presented in this Trinitarian or this plural way, although he is one God. So as we we reflect on this, there's been many different interpretations throughout history. So you you have people on one side who are, say, Mormons, who would say, yes, there's three gods here. They're all different gods. Or you'd have people on the other side, Jehovah's Witnesses, who would say, "Um, this shows that Jesus is actually just an angel. He's not actually God. So you see how you can take some of these passages and take them out of context and go in problematic directions. But I believe the scriptures show that Jesus is God. This seems clear that these beings are one in the same. So, whether you buy that uh, this angel of the Lord um, is Jesus, a lot of people throughout history, Christians have have believed that this angel of the Lord figure is Jesus before he was incarnated. Um, whether you believe that or not, I think the Old Testament presents a clear picture that God is can is plural in His nature. He's single, but He's also plural. This is this mystery. So interesting. I found this really interesting as I was reading about it. Yeah. So who brought the Israelites out of Egypt? Uh, So the principle is that the old Testament lays a foundation for a plural singular God. God is one, but he's also plural. If you want to read some other angel of the Lord passages, there's lots and they all have this same kind of dynamic where it's spoken of as the angel of the Lord, but he speaks as if he's God. So, you can, if you don't catch this and you wanna read more about it, just let me know and I will, I'll send you these passages. I apologize for my children. <laughs> okay, so what about the Holy Spirit? What about the Holy Spirit? If, if maybe that angel of the Lord figure is, is Jesus before he was incarnated, Um, Where does the Holy Spirit come in the Old Testament? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Holy Spirit is all throughout the Old Testament. Right back to Genesis 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Right back to the beginning, the Holy Spirit is present. Now, how do we know that this is the same presence, of, that this is God, and that it's a distinct person of God? Well, there's a really interesting passage in Isaiah 63, verse 7 to 10. This is a passage that basically presents the Trinity on the left. I'm sorry if the font's too small. I will read it for you. So he says, I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord. In Hebrew, this is Yahweh. The deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. He said, surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he, Yahweh, became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy he redeemed them he lifted them up and carried them all the days of old yet they rebelled and grieved his holy spirit so he turned and became their enemy and he himself fought against them isn't that interesting god the father um, the angel of his presence who some interpret as maybe this was jesus before he was incarnated and the holy spirit so you see the this is old testament This is being presented Old Testament. If we, I want us to compare this with Psalm 78. So in Isaiah 63 here, it uses the exact same words in Hebrew rebelled and grieved. It says they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. And in Psalm 78, it's talking about God most high. And it says they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him. So, did they grieve the Holy Spirit or did they grieve God the Father? What's the answer? Yes. <laughs> yes, they are one and the same. They are distinct, but they are one and the same. Is so this starting to make sense as much as this idea can make sense in our human minds? The scriptures present this idea of a singular God in multiple persons. There's my question, I already said. So, just to wrap this all up, let's do a New Testament passage. We've been reading from the Old Testament here. Paul says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, notice how that's used interchangeably. They do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, Then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Father, Son, Spirit. All this language is used interchangeably. He talks about the Spirit of God living in you. Throughout the other scriptures, we talk about the Holy Spirit living in you. Here he talks about the Spirit of Christ living in you. So it's not that there's three Spirits. This is one Spirit who's living in us. And so lots of passages about god's trinitarian nature here how's everyone doing (laughs) it's the morning after a late night we're talking about the trinity are you guys tracking with me does anyone have questions at this point or any thoughts that you would like to share no okay we'll keep moving on so I, my friend shared a really interesting uh, image with me and he was saying we were kind of talking about the Trinity and, and sometimes we use examples to describe the Trinity like I've heard people describe the Trinity like an egg that the Father is like the, the shell and the, the, uh, Jesus is like the, the white and then um, the Holy Spirit's like the yolk. I've heard different images like this. I'm sure you guys have too, right? Um, He shared an example with me that I'm going to share this morning. I thought it was pretty interesting. So, that's why I've got my trusty board here. Trinity. Okay, I want you to watch me here, watch closely. I'm drawing a circle, okay? To the best of my ability. See that? That's a circle. Thank you. Thank you. That's pretty circular. I'm drawing another circle. Thank you. Thank you. I've got to be really steady with my hand here. I drew two circles, right? i got to draw one more circle. You're all watching me do this. You can testify. Hey, maybe I missed my calling as an artist. I drew three circles. Who saw that? Yes. How many circles are on this board? One? Three? Two? <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> Not two. <laughs> one or three? Three in one. Three in one. Yes. make sense? (laughs) I drew three circles, but there's one circle here, but there's also three circles here. Very simple uh, exercise just to help us wrap our minds around this mystery of God being one. He is one Trinity, but he is three persons. Um, If that's helpful, you can use it. If it's not, just forget about it. Uh, I found it to be an interesting thought exercise that God is obviously way beyond our comprehension and who he is. So. so, I usually like to have an application at the end of my message, but this is a more theological message. So, I thought we could just close our time off by just worshipping the Lord and, and praising him in prayer together. I think as we, as we read through scriptures that say, holy, 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 Um, this word holy means set apart or unique or distinct or different and this is exactly what we're saying when we come to the Lord is that God you are so different from who we are you're so unique you're so distinct and we're going to praise you in that and praise that you are you are holy so let's spend a moment in prayer together and then do you guys know holy 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 You know the first stanza or first section maybe we'll sing that after if you're up for it so let's pray father we thank you that you are beyond our understanding god we thank you that you are mysterious and you are holy you're holy 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 god lord you are so worthy of our praise you are so wonderful to us God, even though you are so different, you are so holy, you came to us as a father, came to us as the son and as the spirit. And Lord, you drew close to us as a friend and as a as a leader to us. And Lord, we're just so overwhelmed by your deep love for us. Father, I pray that we would feel that love. Lord, if there's any of us that are feeling distant from you, that you would Help us to feel and to see and to know that you love us and you care for us as a father cares for a child. So Lord, we praise you and rejoice in the love and the loving nature that you have. We thank you, Father. I I thank you so much for the love that you've shown me and my family and, and all of us here. Lord, we praise you. We worship you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen.